The Ryan and Rush Show is brought to you by Vision Homes. If you're looking to build a home in North Central West Virginia, visit askvisionhomes.com. Vision Homes, building you a house you're proud to call home. And don't forget to subscribe to the Ryan and Rush Show, but don't take our word for it. Take Coach Nealon's. Hi, this is Coach Don Nealon, and you're watching the Ryan and Rush Show. Please subscribe. And we welcome you in to another edition of the Ryan and Rush Show, your source for West Virginia sports. All right, Ryan, time for your bold take to happen. West Virginia going <laughs> four and one before TCU. I mean, excuse me, after TCU going into the bye. Um, big game for the Mountaineers ahead, of course. There's questions at quarterback. Uh, back on the road, the first time since Penn State, three consecutive home games. Just going into your this game already, Ryan, just kind of thoughts, feelings, concerns, all of the above. Yeah, it's it's a, another great opportunity. Uh, not many people giving you a shot to win a, a road game. I, I think you mentioned it. I think this is where playing a team like Penn State in week number one helps you in a road spot like at TCU because nothing will ever beat Happy Valley in primetime. So, yeah, I mean, we're, what, uh, just over 48 hours from kickoff, uh, Saturday night, 8 o'clock under the lights in Fort Worth. Looking forward to this matchup, man. I, I think that this is going to be a heck of a matchup at the – line of scrimmage and whoever probably wins that uh, battle is probably going to win the game. Hey, that's, and that, that, that's a battle that I will take the Mountaineers in, but we'll get to that yeah. in a second. Let's kind of break this down a little bit. First off the, the starting quarterback for the Mountaineers. I think our lean is towards Nico, especially with getting Garrett green healthy, especially with the buy on the back end. And obviously you don't want to ch- not choke any games away, but you don't want to lose any games, but this is the type of game where I think you keep Nico in, see see what he's capable of. Obviously, he's progressed from the Pitt game to the Texas Tech game, played a really good game um, for Texas Tech. The only uh, – I, I mean, if, if Garrett Green's a full go, you know, of course, put him out there. But I think with the still – the hesitation, the, the you know high ankle sprain, that's a tough injury to get back for. I'm all for keeping Nico in this game. Um, he's shown that he can win. If he, he can keep playing smart football, you know, don't overthink it, stick to the game plan. Um, very capable quarterback, hopefully the quarterback of the future. But I, I think we need to keep letting it ride with Nico. Yeah, well, it just depends on Garrett's health. If, if Garrett's fully healthy and he can move around in the pocket, uh, open up those RPOs even more, obviously I'm rolling with the vet on the road. But if he can, yeah. if he's compromised once again, um, if he's an emergency quarterback, as they say, then, yeah, you ride with Nico and continue his progression, uh, proven that he can run the offense. Uh, he, he obviously is mobile himself. I mean, he had almost 100 yards on the ground himself. Uh, but, yeah, they, they got to get some chunk plays in this game. Receivers got to catch the ball and help out Nico or Garrett, whoever it is. The receivers got to get open and catch the ball in this matchup on Saturday night. want to make something clear, clarify a point that I just made is – I think this is a game, especially going on the road, especially with the history that West Virginia has done very well against TCU. Um, I think Neil Brown's only loss to them was last year. And I mean, what? They were tied with still four minutes left in the game. Um, that this is an opportunity. This is one another one of those opportunities where we're the underdog. You go into Fort Worth and you play like you have nothing to lose. So I mean it from a, I guess, a loser talk perspective. I mean it from... Hey, just keep it rolling. Keep going with with what works, though. But, th- dude, this is 
with the Penn State game already under our belts, and we everyone agrees that the score was not an accurate reflection of that game. Yes, there's you've got the backup quarterback in as Nico, most likely, what at least our assumption. Um, dude, I'm not TCU's an environment I am not intimidated by. You you've used the term wine and cheese crowd before. Yeah. Um, and I think you can not the full on Texas, the old Texas, like what we've talked about, but there, there's an element of that that does apply to this. And when you're, you know, we keep being counted down as underdogs, when we keep, you know, having the world against us, these are the moments like this we've stepped, stepped up. And I think because of the lackluster environment that TCU is, I mean, we saw it to start the season against Colorado. It's like for a second, I'm like, are we at a Colorado home game? And I'm like, oh crap, actually TCU's the home team. Uh, hey, this is, this is for the taking. This is a very winnable game. I don't care what the spread is. I don't care that we're honestly keep getting us more points as the underdog. That only gets us fired up more. So, hey, this is a, definitely another one of those games where it's, Go out there, have fun, play like you have nothing to lose because you don't, you don't, no one, no one in the world except this show, you know, maybe a couple other shows, but definitely this show had us three and one at this point. And here we are. Yeah. So go out there and keep taking it. No, it's, it's, it's house money game. I, nobody's giving you a shot. And if you get this one, we, we talked about, it, then you can really start talking about, hey, well, if we just take care of our business at home, then we got a shot to get to Dallas. So, I mean, this, this, this is a big game. I mean, this is a big swing game, another swing game that we keep talking about, a potential tiebreaker game down the road. Uh, I, th- I think we both agree TCU is going to be in the hunt till the end. They're a good football team. Well, Coach Sonny Dykes in his second year goes in national championship in his first year. So another great test for this uh, Mountaineer team that seems to keep getting better and better each week. Well, and I think you said it best, is if you win this game, the, the inside track – for Dallas is a very reasonable conversation. It isn't an overreaction. I mean, we're, no, we're starting to reality. check out these balls. At a minimum, we'll be, I think we'll be a top 25 team. If we win this game, how are we not a top 25 team with one loss being against Penn State, who's what, six, fifth, something yeah. like that? And so, yeah, this, this is this is kind of the tiebreaker game. This is the game you look back on and say, hey, good thing we won this one, or man, we should have won that one. You know, that would have that would have broken a tie here. But these are two, I don't want to say evenly matched teams because they very are, they're different. They have different identities, but they kind of, us and TCU have kind of always been on a very similar path, it seems like. And it always seems like whoever won this game, one took off and the other one kind of shrank. So with that being said, is let's talk about this TCU team a little bit. I know we did behind enemy lines and, and got to know this team more. But this is a team where I feel like we'll get to our keys to victory at the end of this episode that has a very beatable defense. You know, there's there's concerns, maybe not concerns, but they do have a very good running back. But if I could see both of these teams playing each other identically in the sense of stop each other's runs. And I think the team that's most successful in stopping each other's runs will be the winner of this game. Because I Chandler Moore, I mean, he still has a lot to prove. Now, he has been better than I think people thought he was going to be. I think people really thought, oh, he, who is this guy sort of thing. But I'm all for making him throw the ball. You know, get, make him make mistakes. And hopefully our secondary, you know, their defense keeps playing well. Our secondary steps up like it did against Texas Tech this week. And which hopefully can lead to the turnover battle, you know, winning the turnover battle. So 
hey, I'm I'm stop the run here. And also on the reverse end, I, I I know run the ball first. Absolutely. I'm not saying don't do that. But what I'm saying is I think last week against Texas Tech, I definitely feel a lot more comfortable with Nico taking a little more risks, throwing the ball a little more. Our receivers need to catch it. Don't get me wrong. But he's proven himself, at least temporarily, as a capable passer. So I'm not scared either to let a couple of those just go. I mean, we saw it earlier this season with Sanders for for Colorado is he was slinging the ball around. So I definitely think there's an element as we're talking about the RPO Markiel of, you know, you have, you have three chances every play. You either keep the ball yourself, you hand it off to the running back, or you throw a little something to the tight end or receiver coming over the middle. So I'm with that, you know, spread the ball out. And then combination with how dominant we are in the run game, this is a very beatable TCU team. Yeah, and we, we're going to have to stop their rushing attack because they're averaging over 200 that's yards yes. a game. I mean, that's, they're kind they're kind of like us in that way. And Chandler Morris kind of – people overreacted to week one because it was Colorado. It was Deion Sanders' spotlight game. Chandler Morris didn't have his best game, but since then he's been seven touchdowns, one interception – uh, he's been he's been he's been good since that opener. He just had a couple of bad mistakes, but the stud guys, Amani Bailey. I mean, over almost 500 yards in four games, six yards of carry. They uh, they're a good offensive team. I, I, I it's it's pretty simple. Like mm-hmm. Sonny Dykes can coach offense. That's kind of what he was last year with Duggan in that group, and he's kind of doing some of the same stuff with Chandler Morris now, and he did it at SMU too. Uh, and you mentioned it. We we can have some success in the air. I think this game, SMU and Houston did, but they both turned the ball over as well. They both had two interceptions compared to uh, Dion's son, um, who completely lit them up. I mean, but I mean, I kind of throw the Colorado game out of of the bag. I mean, that was such a weird game with Dion first game week one, Colorado too. week yep. one uh, head fake. I mean. I, I really don't look at that game, and I don't look at the Georgia National Championship game as formulas to beat TCU just because it was such a fluke in week one. And then, obviously, if you have Georgia's players, uh, you probably should win. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What – if you had a concern going into this game, Ryan, what mm-hmm. would your concern be from the West Virginia side of things? Them being able to run the ball and and dictate the line of scrimmage when they have the ball – um, Texas Tech ran the ball late on us last in the second half. Maybe a little bit of prevent defense, but they sure. were able to get uh, over 100 yards rushing attack. Uh, Pitt was able to run the ball early, but then we tightened some screws up. Um, it, you got it comes down to tackling, man. It, like they, they, these guys are fast, they're elusive, they're going to put you on island. So you got to be able to tackle. You can't give can't give these guys missed tackles, yards after uh, contact, as they like to say, yak. So, yeah, no, I, I think it just comes down to disciplined football on Saturday night. Yeah, I think this goes into from a defensive side of things to win the game, stop the run from the offensive side of things. The offense that's willing to if, if they're is willing to adjust if their run game's not working or not working as well as they need it, because the, we could see kind of the same game plan from, from both sides. I know I let off this episode with saying that kind of different teams, different identities, but th- that doesn't necessarily take away from what both teams are going to how the matchup is itself and, and what yeah. they're trying to do. Because 
you you kind of may see like a mirror looking at a mirror this game and and the the team that is willing to make adjustments and be successful in those adjustments will win this game. And I know that may be like a no duh, the team willing to adjust wins, but I don't mean it in the like just general adjustment terms is I I think both teams are basically going to be kind of trying to do things from the same playbook and who's ever willing to be a little more uncomfortable. Now, don't get me wrong, Neil, don't, don't start, you know, reverting back to, Oh, let's try to surprise them. Not that sort of thing, but okay. They're really preparing for this run. Let's we're okay. We're running almost every passing play out of play action now, or, you know, let's go back to pistol or just make the small adjustments, keep this game close for as long as possible. And then that's when you, you know, dig those plays out of the playbook and just let it rip. Well, and for, for, for TCU, this is going to be by far the best defense they face. We Colorado is yes. an atrocious defensive team. Uh, they're great offensively, but defensively bad. Uh, Houston never known uh, to be a really good defensive team, especially under Dana. And then SMU, they're an offensive uh, air raid team. Just their their uh, head coach is a disciple, Sonny Dyke. So mirror images of one another. This is this is the first really physical team that they've played. They've mm-hmm. played kind of finesse teams for the most part early on. So yeah, just looking forward to seeing somebody punch them back because, like you said, Colorado just beat them just with 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 the craziness of that game. Yeah. All right, Ryan. It's, we're getting to that point in the episode. The keys to victory. We've talked about this game all week. It seems like ever since the Texas Tech game, we're on to like, all right, we're on to TCU. Let's go to four and one into the bye. This is definitely that that prove it game where we talked about the inside track. So, how does your bold prediction be made correct? Four and one, West Virginia. Yeah. How do we make that possible by beating TCU in Fort Worth? Well, I I think I already talked about it. Uh, my first key to victory: disciplined football. No yards after contact, no yards after catch. With the way that they played, they, they were able to get away from SMU and Houston. You've got to tackle them in space. With the way that they construct their offense, Sonny Dykes loves those mismatches. Uh, they, they'll play fast. They'll play tempo. They're going to put you on an island and make you tackle them one-on-one. You've got to secure the tackle so that you can keep them in second and manageable, third and third and long situations where then you can dial up some blitzes um, compared to big chunk plays that are momentum swingers. And then my, my, my last key to victory, and it's the key to victory of every game. This is going to be the in the trenches, man. Both teams want to run the ball. Both teams want to run the ball down each other's throats. Both teams almost averaging 200 yards a game as a team through the ground, whether it's Donaldson or Bailey over there at TCU. Whoever controls the line of scrimmage is going to win this game. So I think you look at the rushing category – um, whoever's able to get the most chunk plays out of their ground attack and really dictate the tempo of the game. And and, and I think West Virginia can drag them through the mud, man, and and, and make mm-hmm. TCU play a style of play that they're not really wanting to play, kind of like K-State in the Big 12 championship last year and Baylor did and Waco last year as well. That leads me right into my keys to victory, Ryan. First key, make Chandler Morris throw the ball. So what does that mean? Take away their run game. Take away what they do best. Stack that box, go after blitz, do dis- disguise packages, just make, just create absolute chaos. They proved it last week with, with Shuck, and I'm, you know, too bad of an injury, of course. I'm, I'm not saying do that, but uh, get them, 
hit him, make him uncomfortable because if Chandler Morris knows he can't hand off the ball for an easy couple yards, like you're ready to go for that. But then you're also disguising some blitzes in there. Next thing you know, he's seeing ghosts as the term we've heard before. And because that, that leads me into point two, win the turnover battle. And I'm going to say win the turnover battle by two, kind of the opposite against Texas Tech. We gave it up. Thank goodness we got out of that game, but we, we need to make some plays. We like against Pitt, similar thing. We need to win that turnover battle. We need to get a nice interception, you know, maybe get in their heads with, you know, stopping the running game, punch the ball out, get a fumble, but win the turnover battle by two. And of course, my final point and the most important point and the reason that we are here right now talking about the three and one Mountaineers, hopefully about to be the four and one Mountaineers, embrace the underdog role. You've played in Fort Worth before. You've done well in Fort Worth before. You've played this TCU team. You played, they were national runner-ups last year, and we probably gave them, or I mean, I guess maybe the Baylor game, but like we gave them one of the hardest times they faced last year. That wasn't Georgia, mm-hmm. of course, so or Kansas State. But when it, we it we do well against this team. So let's let's bring that back. We've already played a at Penn State during a wideout to start this season on national TV. I mean, if you can do that and actually do pretty decent, you can go to Fort Worth and punch these guys in the mouth. TCU, you know, we've we've talked about it, Ryan, is you see a team win a bunch of one-possession games one year. The following year, usually things even out. They start to lose one-possession games. Hey, this is our chance to make that up from last year. And, hey, that's what you do. You embrace the underdog role. Everyone's still counting you guys out. So let's go Mountaineers. Let's go West Virginia and just punch them in the mouth and punch them early and go out there and show that you actually should have been the 12 point favorites or whatever it is by game time. Yeah. I, I think you make a great point too, with the, with the one possession regression. Um, we, we see it all the time. I, I, for example, the NFL with the Vikings, they won 11 <laughs> in a row last year. Now they're Oh, and three with, with these one score games. So I think, I think you get, you get them in a one score game, man. I think they're not, they're, they're not used to winning those games this this year. They they haven't won them yet this year. They kind of won blowouts. So I think it, compared to us, we're comfortable in these ugly games. Pitt, Texas Tech. So yeah, keep this thing close. Give yourself a shot in the fourth quarter. And uh, mm-hmm. man, let's get this thing to four and one and make me look like a prophet. There you go. <laughs> make it ugly, man. And you can do that yeah. here in Fort Worth. So anyway, guys, great another great week in the books. Hoping to have another victory Monday on Monday. We love you all. We appreciate. Appreciate you all. Thank you for the support. And hey, let's go Mountaineers. Let's get to four and one and enjoy that bye week. And then we know what happens after that with a former former coach of West Virginia. So anyway, have a great week, everyone. Thank you. Let's get to four and one. Go Mountaineers.